Hello. Welcome to my Tales of the New World. My name is S. D. Hudson, and I'm here today to tell you the story of the day the Sassany stopped gossiping. The Sassany is a character who lives in the New World Meadow, a place where only the most honourable and valiant live. And the New World is an alternate dimension filled with anthropomorphic people. I hope you enjoy this tale. If you do, please like and subscribe to hear more. The Day the Sassany Stopped Gossiping Chapter 1 A Windy Day It was a cold morning in the New World Meadow, and the mist sat heavy in the dew-soaked grass. Up in the larches the birds were calling the morning sun to warm their frosted feathers, and hanging high above their heads the clouds had cupped the remains of the night before, to let the morning rays trickle through. It was a new day, and as with the start of every new day, the golden-haired Sassany was busy hanging the washing, for only the Sassany is qualified enough to attempt that. She's the only one who knows how to extract oil from the cones foraged in the Old World cops, and she's the only one who can blend the oil with New World herbs to produce the stacks of soap necessary for the great mound of washing that appears each week. And all this she does without subjecting the new world to any remnants of old world poison. Now this day being much like any other, the Sassany began by counting her precious pegs, then collecting them into coloured piles before placing them deep into her pockets. She had to be certain they would match, of course, for nothing could be worse than pegs that didn't match and happy in her endeavours she began to sing, for her peg song was the one thing that made that task all the more enjoyable. I got some pegs in me pocket, I'm a bad old set. I got some pegs in me pocket, now me towels I'll get. And I'll make such a line of a white, I bet. I'm the happiest girl around. Maybe blue, maybe yellow, maybe pink and green. But they got to be matching if they're to be seen. If my line the best in the meadow be, I'm the happiest girl around. If I'm honest, I'll say, no secret could be safe my way. But I can't help but wanna be. The one they come to when they need me. And with a broad smile that lit up her eyes of china blue, she danced in between the towels as they swayed to and fro, to and fro, in the early morning sun. She wasn't aware the sharp-toothed bunyip was watching and waiting behind a cluster of camellia bushes and sensing a lull in the volume. He revealed himself. That's charming. You've a splendid voice, you know. Should be using it more often. 
the Sassani jumped out of her skin and composed herself promptly behind a particularly large cotton sheet before taking a deep breath and bustling her way through to the other side to face him. I'll be off with you, Jeremiah, you and your charm. But secretly she was flattered, which was precisely what Jeremiah had intended. He needed to broach the subject of her latest gossip, but he was not looking forward to it, for the golden-haired Sassney was a force to be reckoned with. Not here to help then, I trust, joked the Sassney, secretly alarmed at the mere thought of it, for being a bunyip, Jeremiah's two pairs of sharp dewclaws could quite easily have torn her pristine bedsheets to shreds. Not today. Dare say you got the whole thing in hand anyhow, am I right? As always, the Sassany winked, oblivious as to what the bunyip was about to say next. And so he began, not relishing the task, but committed to it nevertheless. There's been some alarming talk now, Far-fetched nonsense about the boggatry coming back to the meadow. Would you be knowing anything about this? But rather than face the music, the Sassany chose to ignore him by stooping down and picking up the many pegs she had purposely dropped. Then all at once, as if aware of her need to escape, a huge gust of wind lifted up her many skirts and filled her bloomers so she rose up into the air like a parachute. Peg your skirts round your legs, girl, quickly now, Jeremiah shouted, making a grab for her, but the winds were just too strong, and things being the way they were, the Sassany decided she was probably better off in the sky than having to face him on the ground. And you never know, I might just hear some fresh gossip while I'm out and about, she said to herself as she rose higher still. Then waving at Jeremiah as she flew off, she called, Never you fear, Jeremiah. What's news now is history tomorrow. I'm sure it's all just a misunderstanding. It'll all come out in the wash. And with a chuckle and a wink, she turned to face the way ahead without giving a second thought as to where she had been. But the Sassney had underestimated the land of winter and its intentions, for it was they who had sent the unruly winds and it was they who had now got her precisely where they wanted her. Chapter 2 The Wendell Witches It was some time before the wind eased, but when it did, the Sassany opened her eyes again to see swirls of mist encircling all around her, so dense were they, it was almost impossible to see clearly, but the moment her feet touched solid ground, the mist cleared to reveal the brow of a little hill and a cottage to match. She was now a long way away from the safety of the meadow, but so excited at the prospect of hearing all the new gossip from the people inside, she failed to acknowledge the danger she was in, for this was the land of winter, and nothing in the land of winter is as simple as that. And the land of winter is not always the friendliest of places. She knocked and she waited. It was cold outside and she wanted desperately to be in the warm, but she needn't have worried herself, for almost immediately the door opened to reveal 
a large table, at which sat a gaggle of very loud, very chatty Wendell witches. Now, at this point, I will have to explain what a Wendell witch is, as not many of us will have come across them. A Wendell witch is someone who builds her fortunes on the misfortunes of others. Not that she always sets out to do it, but that she does it nevertheless. With a face similar to an old world cat and pointed ears designed to pick up any gossip travelling on the breeze, a Wendell witch is a surprisingly pretty creature, and this makes her all the more dangerous. Come in, come in, the first witch beckoned as she brushed aside the many layers of fabric wrapped around her long, pale arms. And hot under the gaze of her many companions, the Sassany felt she really had no choice but to comply. Now take a seat, don't be shy, the first witch continued, eager to get the Sassany just where she wanted her. So the Sassany sat down, albeit rather uncomfortably, for the chairs were designed for Wendell witches, not someone her size. Well, that was a fierce wind, the Sassany began, eager to find out exactly where she was, but the Wendell witches were not interested in speaking of that which they already knew, for it was they who had sent the winds to get her. Yes, yes, it surely was, the first witch agreed, handing the Sassany a sweet-smelling drink as recompense. The Sassany was dishevelled from her windy trip, and they could see it. It's so lovely to meet you. Please make yourself comfortable. We love to discover new people and let them in on our little secrets. Now the prospect of hearing all their juicy gossip was something the Sassany really couldn't resist. So she accepted the goblet handed to her and drank greedily. It had been some time since she had eaten and the liquid was sweet and thick, much like a chocolate milkshake from the old world. Then before she had time to register the snow-capped view from where she sat, she fell into a deep trance. Little did she know she had just partaken in a do-what-you're-told potion, and she was about to do just that. This is perfect, perfect, one witch declared, clapping her hands while another exclaimed, This is exactly what we wanted. One of the meadow folk, and who better than this gullible one? She'll do anything for a bit of gossip. Yes, laughed another, and all the while the Sassany listened but could do nothing to save herself. She had already fallen under the spell. So how are we going to do this? asked one of the witches. It'll be easy, said another one. We'll take her down to the lake ourselves and stick her in. Before you know it, she'll have pegged all the lotus roots on the bank and will never have to share with the land of spring again. If they want some roots in the future, they'll just have to come to us, won't they? The others chuckled as they made their plans. Their feud with the land of spring had been ongoing since the meadow had declared they were to share the great lakes and the medicine that grew there. The land of spring were happy to do this, but the land of winter being the land of winter... They wanted control, and this was a sure-fire way to get it. Chapter 3. The Lake It didn't take long for the potion to work, and unable to challenge the Wendell witches, 
the Sassley found herself at the edge of the lake before she knew it. She gazed into its icy depths, and there was the sky, her one connection to the meadow, her one connection to home. She knew now she had been too hasty in wanting to leave for a promise of something with no value whatsoever. For what was gossip if there were no friends to share it with? She should never have gossiped about the bogatry, that one person who had caused the meadow so much destruction in the past. She couldn't blame Jeremiah for wanting to reprimand her, but then that was why he was a master and she wasn't. Along with the truffle pog, the cockatrice and the deli lala, of course. Those four, most powerful than all the meadow folk. Nay, all the new world folk put together. They were masters for a reason, because they had made a pledge to the wise one. A pledge to place their own wants and desires to the deepest part of their being, as best as they could, in order to devote their lives to the meadow, and so the well-being of the world they valued above everything else. This was something she was not strong enough to do, however, as much as she wanted to right at that very moment. Now in you go, said witch number one, jolting her from her reflections, and the Sassany could not help but comply. It's freezing, she complained, but she stepped in nevertheless. And once in her meadow energy lit up the murky expanse and pulled at the lotus roots until they floated to the surface. Then she collected them and pegged them to the great leaves growing around and about to be dried and harvested by the Wendell witches. She knew it could never be right to claim all as their own. But the Wendell witches were from the land of winter and as such a law unto themselves. Meanwhile, back in the meadow, Jeremiah was becoming increasingly worried. He had spoken to the other masters and they had all agreed the cockatrice should be the one to go. Hailing from the land of winter herself, she knew precisely where such cold winds had come from, and she was more than prepared for any underhand ways. She looked over to the larches. The washing was almost dry. It would be no time at all before the rest of the meadow knew. The Sassany was never late with her washing, and there was nobody else who could do it. This won't take long, she said matter-of-factly, and the others had no doubt what the cockatrice said to be true. Just be careful now, Jeremiah reminded her, and ruffling her copper-coloured feathers, the cockatrice gave him a sharp look before clicking her long beak. This will be a short trip, Jeremiah, make no mistake about that. Jeremiah smiled, for Tenua was a force to be reckoned with and well known in the land of winter as such. If there was anyone to deal with this problem, it was her. So taking a deep breath through the small apertures in her beak, she filled her chest with new old air and pulled the energy up from her clues into her chest, where it transformed itself into Beck Chi, her dazzling bright light energy. It filled the space around her with a glow of ruby red, and her bright eyes sparkled in its very brilliance. Her feathers were standing on end now and spreading them into a huge fan. 
she rose vertically to face the storm the Wendell witches had sent to protect themselves. Chapter 4 Sharing is Caring The cockatrice was furious. This wasn't the first time the Wendell witches had given the land of winter a bad name. In fact, they were the reason the lands of winter and spring could never see eye to eye. They were greedy and they refused to work alongside each other. Now all that was left was to remind them of their place and reassure them. Just because she was a master now and she lived in the meadow, it didn't mean Fortenua had forgotten all about their little tricks and deceitful ways. But having cut through the storm with the precision of a sharpened blade, she swooped down to the great lake, but was not prepared for what she saw, for the Sassany had somehow managed to come round from the potion and was now in the centre of them all, goading them with the roots and refusing to hand them over. And don't think I won't, she was yelling. You should be ashamed of yourself, refusing to share. It's disgusting if you ask me. I don't know who you lot think you are, but I'm a Sassany, and us Sassanys won't be told what to do by the likes of you skinny little wretches. The cheek of it, I ask you. Oh, hello, Forten, you all right? Forten, you wanted to laugh, which was rare for her. But if anybody could make her laugh, it was the Sassany. Looks like you've got everything under control. I don't know why I bother. But those who shout the loudest aren't necessarily the ones who are heard, and the Wendell witches seemed a lot more concerned with the arrival of the cockatrice than they were by the loud protestations of the Sassany. Oh, look, she's back. How nice, said the first witch. We thought you'd forgotten about us and the land you were brought up in. Laced with poison, the comment was unwelcome and uncalled for, but Fortenua was a master now and refused to rise to such pettiness. Come, she turned to the Sassany, the washing is almost dry, enough of this folly. But the Wendell witches refused to be ignored, and gathering around the two meadow folk they began to chant, Gossip she tells, and gossip she is. Nothing but gossip the sassany she gives. Gossip she tells, and gossip she is. Nothing but gossip the sassany she gives. It went on and on, faster and faster, until the sassany began to shake. She had escaped their control once by consuming the lotus root. But it couldn't save her from this. And realising she would have to do something fast, the cockatrice spread her wings once more to create a barrier of copper and red from which their chants bounced right back at them, knocking the window witches to the ground. Then all at once she screeched, Don't move! And grabbing the Sassany's collar, she lifted her off the ground and flew away before the window witches had a chance to realise exactly what had happened. It was no time at all before they were back in the meadow and the Sassany was doing what she did best. Gossiping about what had happened in the land of winter. Only this time the gossip was a little more restrained, and for once it was only about herself, for seeing how much the meadow folk had missed her, and how valuable they said she was, the Sassany now understood. 
She didn't need to always be the one telling the stories and knowing the latest news. She was loved and valued as the one looking after the washing. Which was, after all, one of the most important jobs of all. And the meadow could not do without her. The End Thank you for listening to this tale. If you like what you heard, please press like and click subscribe to hear more tales of the new world. My name is S.D. Hudson. Thank you for listening and see you again soon.